listening to this week's message from Freedom Church. For more info on Freedom, visit freedomdl.com. Thanks for listening. Um, well, you noticed by my voice that um, I'm not 100% back from last week, um, but we're getting there. Um, I hope you'll bear with me. Um, this is Easter Sunday. Um, this, is, this is the Super Bowl for churches. Um, I've been a pastor for about 25 years now, and I've always heard it called the Super Bowl, you know, and what's funny is, is over the years, I've just kind of seen Easter Sunday as it's just really kind of another Sunday, just a few more people come on Easter Sunday, you know, but it's, it's, that's basically, it's just, life is normal for us, and I hope you felt welcomed here, I hope you felt people love you and want you to be here, I hope you got some donuts, I call them Satan circles, but you can call them what you want to, um, I, I hope you, you felt the authentic feel that people always talk about when they come here. Like, we really do love you. We really do care about you. We want to see God's best in your life. And you know what? This, this weekend, we celebrate the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus. And, and for Christians, it's a big weekend. It's a big deal, guys. It's a big deal. But in the midst of all the Easter eggs and the bunnies and all that stuff and whatever you're going to get for lunch after this, um, here's something I want you to think about. Where would we be without the events that we celebrate on Easter. You ever thought about that? Not Easter. Where would you be without Easter? Well, we'd still celebrate Jesus. We just wouldn't call it Easter. But where would you be without those events? Now, we talk about his death and how Jesus' death was the perfect sacrifice. Guess what? Everybody sins. Do you know that? Everybody sins. Every single person. The wages of sin is death. I was reminded when I was um, at New Covenant, I had coffee one time with this, with this guy. He was about probably 76 years old, and um, his family wanted me to meet with him because they wanted me to help him come to Christ or whatever. And So we were talking, and I said, you know, everybody sins. And he's like, well, I just don't know if I believe that. I'm like, okay, cool. Like, like explain that. And he says, well, I'm a good person. I've, I've never done anything intentionally to hurt somebody. I've not, you know, I've not been malicious towards people. I've, I've done right by people. I've worked hard for my family and all this. I was like, I'm a good person. And I said, okay, well, as soon as he said that, this girl walks into Starbucks. And she has the shortest skirt, I think, that they make down at the Rue 21 or where she got her clothes at. It was so short. And, like, I was locked into his eyes because I'm like, not to devil Satan. Ain't, ain't, not today. I'm not, I'm not looking today. I'm going to stare right at this dude. And she walks past, and I'm staring at this guy. And I just looked at him. I said, did you see her? And he said, well, yeah. And I said, the Bible says if you lust in your heart, you've sinned. He goes, okay, so how do I do this Jesus thing? Like, how do I? <laughs> now, it's funny, and, you know, God used a situation. The devil's trying to jack us up to, to help get him to Christ. Man gave his life to the Lord in the Starbucks that morning. It's awesome. But everybody sins. Everybody falls short. The wages of those sins is death. And it's not just physical death, it's spiritual death. It's separation from God. But the Bible tells us that the gift of God is everlasting life. So if we receive this gift, then we can be forgiven, and we can live eternally with God, and that gift, of course, is Jesus Christ. Now, with his death on the cross, our sins were paid. That debt that we owed because the wages of sins, is that, that debt was paid by Jesus Christ. And if we simply embrace him as Lord, and we receive his forgiveness, we pass from death into life, from being lost to being found. That's the gospel message. But there is so much more to Easter than the sacrifice. There's the resurrection. So why is the resurrection so important? Well, it wasn't enough for God just to pay your debts. It wasn't enough just 
to have him do what the cross did. He wanted you to live as well. This is something you've really got to understand and embrace in your heart is that sins doesn't necessarily mean I'm a bad person. It means you're a dead person. The wages of sin is death, but God wants you to live. Now, make no mistake about it. We lost a ton in that garden when humanity fell. We lost it all. We were not just cut off from the garden, but we were cut off from God. We rejected God as our father. We embraced orphanhood. The result of that was death. Now, two deaths happened, physical death, because remember, Adam and Eve were born immortal into perfection. Okay? So when we left the garden, we also left immortality. Your physical body is going to die. Like it or not, it's going to die. Okay? But, but worse, death spiritually. And understanding the spiritual death is what's so important. It's literally our worst case scenario, spiritual death. What, is it, what does that even mean, though? Look at what it says in Ephesians chapter 2, verses 1 through 3. Once you were dead because of your disobedience and your many sins. You used to live in sin, just like the rest of the world, obeying the devil, the commander of the powers in the unseen world. He is the spirit at work in the hearts of those who refuse to obey God. All of us used to live that way, following the passionate desires and inclinations of our sinful nature. By our very nature, we were subject to God's anger, just like everyone else. Leave that up there for just a moment. This is the recipe for spiritual death. This is it right here. Living by your own desires, your own inclinations, the, 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 the things that your emotions drag you into doing, the thought processes that are impure and unholy and seek to get revenge. This is the recipe for spiritual death. You see, the, the problem wasn't just that we had death. It was separation from him from never being in a relationship with God. And, and yes, definitely hell. Like, there, there is the torment of hell. And I know a lot of times people are off-put by the notion of hell. They're off-put by the notion that God would send people to hell. But let me correct some of your thinking right here. God's never sent anyone to hell. Okay? That's not what God does. God gives every single person a choice. Every person has a choice. You either accept Him or you reject Him. And whenever you go on beyond your natural life and you die, God is not sending you to hell. You don't get there to St. Peter and St. Peter's like, well, yeah, I'm send you to hell. No, he's simply giving you the result of the choice that you asked for. You wanted to reject Jesus. It breaks God's heart. But he says, I will give you exactly what you want. In fact, how does God feel about that? Second Peter 3, 9 says, the Lord is not slow to fulfill his promise, as some count slowness, but is patient towards you, not wishing that any should perish, but that all should reach repentance. Everybody. That everybody should repent. You know, don't forget that God did create perfection. This is one of the biggest things you hear from people who are atheists and stuff like that. They, they say, well, how come, God, how come God didn't, you know, snap his fingers and make a perfect world? We've already done that. We were already in that. And we didn't want it. Like, what's wrong with us that we didn't want perfect? And so what God has been doing across human history is getting you back to the state you were in the garden. That's what it's all about. So more than anything, God wants you to live. But, but sin, death, these things have to be dealt with. You see, the cross paid the debt. His resurrection defeated death, hell, and the grave. And embracing Jesus Christ as Lord is what redeems us and is what makes us alive again. You've got to do this, but... 
you can't do it any other way than Jesus. He's the only way. He's the way, the truth, and the life. Good works won't do it, okay? There's, there's nothing you could do to fix the problem. In fact, there's a, a simple, there's a simple way logically to determine this. If humanity could fix our own sin problem, don't you think we'd done it by now? If we were capable of fixing our own sin and restoring us back to perfection, how come we haven't been perfected yet? It's simple. It's because you don't have it in you to do it. I don't care how good you are. You're not good enough. What could you do that would be good enough for the king of kings that said, let there be light? What could we offer him? There's nothing we could do. But thankfully, Jesus fixed the problem that we couldn't fix. And if you would just embrace him, you can be made alive again. That's what the resurrection did. So even now in this moment, you're being faced with a choice on whether to reject or accept Jesus. Listen, it's a daily choice. Some of us, it's a moment-by-moment choice. Y'all hear what I'm saying? Especially like when you go to work tomorrow and you got to deal with that person that you sit next to every time that's keeping you choosing Jesus every moment of every day. In fact, it might be the reason why God hadn't let you leave that job yet because he knows if you leave that job, you're going to leave him too because he, that person's the one keeping you close to Jesus. I'm going to choose you, Jesus, if they leave and look at my stapler. Every time they take my stapler, they take it. Don't ever put it back. Don't even look at my... Yeah, that person's making you choose Jesus every day. God will honor your choice. And that's both incredibly exciting and terrifying. But more than anything, he wants you to embrace him and be alive. And how do I know that? Well, partially because I just read it. We just put it on the screen. Um, it's in the version notes. You can read it too. But, but partially because Easter exists. God didn't just talk a talk. He put his money where his mouth was. So back to why the resurrection is so important. Would our lives be the same if there was just the cross but no resurrection? I don't think so. I think no for sure. And, and the reason is very simple because death would not be defeated. John eleven twenty five to 26 says this, I'm the resurrection and the life. Whoever believes in me, though he die, yet he shall live. And everyone who lives and believes in me shall never die. Now, contrary to a very popular worship song out there right now, the cross did not actually have the final word. The resurrection did. Now, my friends and I at New Covenant, we used to joke about this all the time because they would do this song every now and then, and I'd be sitting over there just shaking my head like, no, it's not theologically accurate, you know? And one day, uh, Brad, he's he's the worship pastor, (coughs) he says, Jason, look, the cross had the final word on sin. I'm like, then it should have said that. You know what I'm saying? Like, but no, so, I mean, I understand what they're trying to say, but, but that the resurrection is what had the final word. The cross dealt with sin, but not death. The cross required death. Look at Galatians 2.20. I've been crucified with Christ. I no longer live. That's my death. When, when he died, my sinful nature died. When I said yes to Jesus, I went and got up on that cross with him. And my old nature was crucified with him. That was my death. And that's what happens when you say yes to Jesus. But look at what Isaiah said in Isaiah 38, 18 through 19. For the dead cannot praise you. They cannot raise their voices in praise. For those who go down to the grave can no longer hope in your faithfulness. Only the living praise you as I do today. Only the living. So what's this mean? It's simple. I need to be made alive. 
<clears throat> my spirit needs to be made alive. The cross dealt with my sin, yes, but I need death defeated too. Well, thank the Lord. Paul wrote something down for us in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verses 20 through 25. Let's see what it says. But in fact, Christ has been raised from the dead, the first fruits of those who have fallen asleep. For as many as came by death, came death, by man has come the resurrection of the dead. For as in Adam all die, so in Christ shall all be made alive. But each in his own order. Christ the first fruits, then it is coming, those who, uh, who belong to Christ. And then comes the end when he delivers the kingdom to God the Father after destroying every rule and every authority and power. For he must reign until he's put all enemies under his feet. The last enemy to be destroyed is death. Is death. Now, we have to understand that what sin really is. Sin, all it is, is just a tool the enemy uses to get us to death. Okay? He, he's not trying to get you to sin. He doesn't keep throwing temptation at you. You go, oh, if I just get him to sin. No. If he gets you to sin, he knows he gets death out of you. And so if we would, if we would understand that, it would make dealing with sin a whole lot easier in our lives. And listen, it's easy to say from a platform on Easter Sunday morning. It's a whole lot harder when you're in the middle of that sin. Like your kid says something to you, and you want to go to like DEFCON 47. You know what I'm saying? Because like them kids know what little buttons to push. They, you know how I remember when we were kids, you know, A-A-B-B, over, over, you know, like we knew all the code. Them kids know your cheat codes. And whenever they say something to you, and you begin to blow, and you, you feel the Vesuvius just coming out of you, it's a whole lot easier right now here in this moment to say, let's just focus on Jesus than it is in that moment. But here's the thing, is that Satan knows if he can get you to that Vesuvius moment right there, he's not just created death in you, but in your kid too. He's not trying to get you to sin, he's trying to get you to die. And no, he doesn't want you physically dead. Because he wants, he wants you over and over and over again, struggling with that same sin and that same temptation so he can keep spiritually killing you over and over again. But thank God we have a brother in Jesus Christ who is willing to come to earth, lay down his life for us, and then be raised to life so that we can be raised as well. Second Corinthians 5.17 said, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he's a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. God isn't just offering a deal to deal with the sin in our lives. He's not just trying to get you out of sin. It's too much bigger than sin. He's offering life. And that comes through Jesus, his death and his resurrection. So what do we take from this? Well, first, for those who are listening today and you've never made Jesus Lord of your life, why not? Like, what's the holdup? Well, you know, I've, I've known a lot of Christians, and if that's what a Christian is, okay, well, let me tell you something right now. Just let me debunk this for you. When you stand before Jesus at Judgment Day, he's not going to say, how did you embrace me based on how others embraced me? He's going to say, how did you embrace me? He's going to ask about your relationship with him, not about anybody else's. So your mama and daddy may have tried to point you to Jesus and your grandma and all that and the churches you grew up in. They may have done a good job and they may have done a bad job. But I want you to know something. No one but you is going to answer for how you've rejected or accepted Jesus Christ. That's the truth. Okay. So when it comes to not wanting to be a Christian based on how other Christians have acted, I'm sorry, but that is a very, very weak case. Some of y'all are in families right now that you claim the family, even though you got some really bad family members that got your last name. 
same situation. Listen to me. There are people who do bad things in the name of Christ. And they have been since there is the name Christ. People have done things out of good intent. People have done things out of malice. People who have said they've known Jesus, who didn't know Jesus from a hill of beans, have done things in Christ's name and ruined it for everybody. That doesn't mean you get a pass on Jesus just because somebody else didn't live it right. Is it too hard to believe? I took anatomy and physiology my first year of college. And um, I found out real quick the medical field was not for your boy right here. You know, like, <laughs> they were like, all right, we're going to cut this frog open. No, no, we're not going to do none of that. <coughs> if you can go through even a semester of anatomy and physiology and not come out praising God, something wrong with you. You mean tell me that I can cut myself and my body will go into repairing itself with platelets and all that mess? That my immune system will jump into gear and heat up that cut to try to keep bacteria and infection down? And you telling me that we just floated through billions of years and that all happened at once? I'm telling you, brother, you got more faith than I do. And if I had that kind of faith, we might have the building built already. That is a crazy level of faith right there. I was watching a TikTok the other day, and it was some astrophysicist, and he was like, well, you know, uh, um, you know it's like talking about how the vastness of space, that it all came back down to a moment of nothingness. There was no space, no matter nothing. And it burst. I was just like, bro, do you hear what you're saying? How much easier would it be to believe that some giant being that existed outside of that said, But to not even consider it? Does it just seem like fiction? I hear you. Even though without Jesus, at our core, we all know something is not right within us. That's why an atheist will grumble about morality. That's why an agnostic will challenge the possibility of God to begin with. That's why even a regular person has a deep sense deep down what's right and what's wrong. Now, you might say, well, oh, that's cultural. That's cultural. Well, yeah, maybe. Okay, maybe it's culture. But maybe it's hardwired into you because you were made to be more than just a person who questions God from a distance. Perhaps even now, you're feeling something deep within you, and it's challenging what you believe. You hear what I'm saying, and it's starting to cause a little rumble inside of you. Maybe even, just like the Bible talks about in Revelation 3, you hear a little knock on your heart's door, and you know it's Jesus, and you know he's been pounding on your heart for years and years, but you kept the door locked because it's just easier not to deal with it. thing is, though, is Jesus is not interested in you subscribing to a bunch of rules and regulations. He wants a relationship with you. Yeah. And he went to some extremes for that. You know, extremes like, I don't know, uh, maybe being beaten unrecognizable. Maybe being whipped to the extent where he had no flesh on his back, his bones, his ribs were exposed. And nailed to a cross even. But, but he was even worse than the physical pain. Extremes like becoming sin for you. A lot of times you hear people say that Jesus took our sin on the cross. No, he became sin on the cross. What does that mean? That means that all of the hatred of sin that God has in his being was focused on one point in human history, on his son nailed to a cross, and the entire hatred that God would ever muster was focused on his boy right there in that moment. 
So anytime you feel the devil telling you that God hates you and that's why you can't come to him, God's already poured his hatred out in one moment on his son. That's what Jesus did for you. He became the thing that you're going to do this week that dishonors God. For our sake, he made him to be sin who knew no sin. So that in him, we might become the righteousness of God. Talk about selflessness. That Jesus was willing to become the thing his father hated the most so that you could become the thing he loved the most. That's what he did for us. And one thing it should do is make us look at the sin in our hands. I'm talking about the stuff that we mess up with. I'm talking about I'm shooting for the right mark and I just mess up. But I'm talking about even the intentional sins. The sins that, that, that we are constantly struggling with. The lifestyle sins. The iniquities. All of that stuff he died for as well. He took all of that into himself. He was willingly separated from God instead of you so that you wouldn't have to be separated from God for another second. The perfect son of God chose to come to earth, take on your sin, embrace orphanhood and die just so you could have a relationship with his father. Let me ask you something. If you're here and you still haven't been able to say yes to Jesus, and I don't, at the very least, don't you think that that level of devotion is worth a try? the very least so if you're here today and you're lost I'm not offering you religion I'm offering you a relationship with Jesus I'm offering you life through Jesus Christ and it isn't difficult you don't have to jump through hoops you don't have to get your life all back together before you say yes to Jesus and there's no probationary period and you know something else we don't even have to wait till the altar call for it we're going to do it right now in fact it's a simple confession Everything in Christianity is done through confession. We ask for forgiveness of sins through confession. We ask for salvation through confession. So, so we can do that even now in this moment. If you're here and you feel God is pulling at your heart and you need to say yes to him, here's what we're going to do. We're all just going to say this prayer out loud. It's going to be on the screen. We're going to say this prayer together. And if you're here and you need to make Jesus Lord of your life, this is your chance. This is your moment. If you mean it, God means it. And when you say this, you're saved. When you confess this, Say with me, Jesus, I can see you now. I see what you've done for me to save me. Forgive me. I'm a sinner and I need you. Save me. I confess you as Lord of my life. I believe in you. I'm yours. In your name, Jesus. Amen. If you prayed in your minute, you're saved. You've started that relationship with Jesus. Now, what gets me pumped up? I mean, like, listen, I'm not evangelistic by nature. I really am not. And so I'm excited that you got saved, but I'm really pumped about what's next. Because this is where life begins. Salvation isn't the end of the road. It's the beginning, man. And your life will get exponentially better, more satisfying than it ever has been before. If you meant it, God means it. And here's what I encourage you to do before you leave today. Tell somebody what happened. Put it on a little connect card and drop it in the offering box. Just tell somebody because you need somebody to take your hands and celebrate with you. Second, in the time we have remaining, I want to talk to those who have that relationship with Jesus. I mean, if you've understood the cross and the resurrection and you've embraced Jesus, praise God. Praise God, man. 
But as I was thinking about all this during the week, there were three things that kind of jumped out at me, and I wanted to share them with you today because, um, you know, I know a lot of times Easter Sunday is really, really heavily focused on a salvation message, and I realize that there are people in our audience that, that may be lost today, but hopefully you just got saved, so now I need to talk to some people who are saved. Come on, Jesus, and, and encourage you today. So let me spend a few minutes encouraging you. Um, I saw three things. Jesus went to the cross, he endured the cross, and he rose again. Okay, now, listen, he, you know these things. You know these things. Okay, very simple. But there were some things the Lord showed me in the midst of this I want to share with you. First, Jesus went to the cross. The cross didn't start on Good Friday. Okay, um, it started before the foundation of the world. That's what Revelation chapter 13 says. The Bible says that Jesus was slain before the foundation of the world. I always used to think that the cross, that what Jesus did was plan B. Because plan A was the perfection he created us in. But the God that created that, I can't imagine for a second that he didn't know that we were going to mess it up. And like it probably wasn't even like the first week. You know what I'm saying? Like we mess it up quick. <laughs> God, it's so beautiful. Ooh, what's that? Don't touch that. But I want to touch that. I've always wondered what in the world um, Eve was doing talking to a snake. They seemed like they were having a real fancy conversation. Like, what you doing talking to a snake? Like, if when Monique and I started dating, um, she started talking to snakes, I ain't dating you anymore. You know what I'm saying? Like, I don't know. I'll just let her slither away, I guess. My father-in-law's in here right now, so that's extra funny. But Jesus was slain before the foundation of the world. So here's what that means. That means he knew you were going to mess up. And listen to this. This is amazing. I hope you can get it. Before he ever started the process, he already had a plan to fix what you had break in it. I need, to, I need to talk to somebody right now in the process that you're in in your life right now. You're in a process right now that you're, you're experiencing so much pain in your life right now, and you have questioned the process. You've questioned it hard. I want you to know something. Jesus already has the solution for the brokenness of your process right now. And he had the solution before he ever set you along in that process to begin with. I'm not talking about just before you were born. I'm talking about before he said, let there be light. He already knew what you were going through in this moment. And he knew how he was going to get you through it. And if you will just cling to him, cling to him, you not only will get to make it through to the other side, you will enjoy the benefits and the fruit of faithfulness. Don't quit. Don't give up. I don't know who that's for, but whoever that's for, you need to embrace that. Trust his process. Easiest way to trust the process is trust the processor. We see Jesus struggle as he went to the cross in Matthew 26, 39. Father, if it be possible, let this cup pass from nevertheless not as I will, but as you will. I, um, I thought of how closer he got to the cross, how much harder it got to fulfill his purpose. Um, I remember in our process of moving down here, you know, at the beginning of 2019 when all this was, hey, we're going to go plant a church, kind of started up. It was all fun and games. Um, but whenever we got a notification that three days after we listed our house, it sold for full asking price. Uh, it gets... It's all real. It's like it's all fun and games until the house sells. You know what I'm saying? And when the house sold, we were like, this, whoa, okay, we're doing this. 
Mainly because you can't afford to not. You know what I'm saying? Like, we're doing this. The closer it got to us planting Freedom Church, the harder it got. And yeah, there was more pressure from, you know, just like things you had to get done, like the physical stuff. But there was the spiritual pressure as well. The enemy does not want Freedom Church existing in this area. Come on, man. He doesn't want that. So he fought us to the note. And I thought about Jesus, how much harder it got. But I also see a Jesus who sacrificed his body, his spirit, and his soul, which is mind, will, and emotions, to fulfill his purpose. When's the last time you sacrificed your mind, will, and emotions to see Jesus' purpose fulfilled in your life? When's the last time you said, yes, Jesus, I'll do it, even though I'm anxious? When's the last time you said, yes, Jesus, I'll do it, even though I'm depressed right now? Or even though I don't know what to do? Yes, Jesus, I'll do it even though I'm so scared my knees are shaking. Jesus laid that all down. It's the action of a person who is spiritually mature. We're in a series right now at Freedom called Grow Up, and it's about being spiritually mature. This is what spiritual maturity looks like. Sacrificing your body, spirit, and soul to see God's purpose fulfilled being willing to do whatever God says to, and even more, being willing to push harder when it would be easier to give up. God, help us follow this example of taking the step no matter what. So what do we need to do? We need to go to what God says with the same veracity as Jesus when he went to the cross. Like, just get in there and get it. Don't give up. The next one is just endure the cross. Look at Jesus' arrest, Matthew 26, 53, 54. Do you think that I cannot appeal to my Father, and He will at once send me more than 12,000 legions, or 12 legions of angels? But how then would the Scriptures be fulfilled? That it must be so. Here's what I wondered myself. I wondered how many times I appealed to God to send legions to get me out of my situation, rather than staying the course, thereby missing the promise. Life is hard. And typically when Jesus asks you to do something, he asks you to do something that is beyond your capability because he wants you to lean on him and the people he puts around you to help you. If you are doing something right now that Jesus asks you to do that you 100 and you 100% can do on your own power, it might not be Jesus telling you to do it. Okay? Like, because Jesus will routinely ask you to do something that is beyond yourself. Okay? look at any Bible character and let that be the proof. Look at Moses. My Lord, he asked Moses to do some stuff, didn't he? Okay, he asked Jesus to do some stuff. And even Jesus took time to pray in the garden. Y'all hear what I'm saying right now? Even, even Jesus needed those moments with his father to accomplish his purpose. But I've wondered how many times, rather than enduring and rather than just staying the course, I've opted for the easy way out and just asked God to send the angels to fix it. You know what? I may get out easy, but I missed the prize. We hate enduring, but endurance is what wins the day. It's, it's, it's the reward is to those who endure. The prize goes to the ones that finish the race. And it's easier and more comfortable to quit, but quitters are without reward. 
okay? Enduring, being faithful. That could be the hardest thing you ever face. But we have to want the outcome more than we want the relief. Jesus wanted the outcome more than he wanted the relief. More than he wanted relief from being separated from God. More than the relief from the pain that he was about to endure. He wanted you more than that. Aren't you glad he didn't give up? Aren't you glad he endured? And this is what we see highlighted in Hebrews 12 too. It says, looking to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith, right here, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. If you ever want to know where you are in the Bible, this is you. You were the joy that was set before him. Thank God that you didn't call angels to rescue you. But instead, you saw my face and you said, I will endure to the end. We need to endure the process with the same tenacity in which Jesus endured the cross. The last one is simply this. Jesus rose again. I thought of Carmen. Anybody know Carmen? If you know Carmen, give me a little woo-woo. For those that don't, Carmen was a music artist, Christian music artist, back in the 80s. And he had these, you know, silly songs and all that. And I don't know, I look back at it now and they were silly, but back then they was like this fire, you know what I'm saying? Like, this guy's dropping bangers, you know? And um, anyway, I, I was thinking about Jesus rising and I instantly thought of that Lazarus song. Y'all remember that? Lazarus, boom, 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 Lazarus, Lazarus, come forth. He would always say it really weird. Um, but anyway, at, in this song, there's this one part where it's, at the, it's almost at the end and it goes, Lazarus, Jesus, Lazarus, Jesus, Lazarus, Jesus. And he goes, come forth. It used to scare me to death because that was the moment that Lazarus came back to life. You know what I'm saying? He had another song called The Champion. It scared me worse. At the end, there was a countdown from 10 and these demons would screech and they were laughing because, you know, they'd won, you know. They thought Jesus uh, took the L. Uh-huh, no cap. No, sorry. Um, sorry, it's funny. Like all these teenagers are like, stop it, Dad. Like, no, it, but it was all the demons, they thought they'd won, right? And then they start realizing, oh, no, Jesus is moving, he's stirring. And so at the end, they're shrieking. I'm telling you, I was, y'all. It was so bad that as a 43-year-old man just a few days ago, re-watching that video, I stopped it before the end because I don't want that in my life. Because here's what will happen. I'll get up at 3 o'clock in the morning go use the restroom, and I'll hear in my mind, ah, come forth. Like, no. I don't know what's in the closet right now. You know what I'm saying? Like, it might be Jesus in there, but I'm not going to test it. See, what is not in my mind is not going to come out of my mind. Y'all hear what I'm saying? I'm going to put holiness. I'm going I'm to watch something funny. I'm Mickey Mouse or something. I'm not looking at that. But, but Lazarus, you know, of course, he came, he came forth out of the grave, and Jesus rose again. And it made me think, though, as I sat there laughing at myself for being 43 years old and scared. Imagine how different Lazarus' story would have gone had Lazarus not answered the vo- voice to come forth. Or what if Jesus hadn't? How different will your story be If you know the Spirit is speaking to you, calling you into action, and like Lazarus and like Jesus, you answer the voice calling out to you. We need to respond to the Holy Spirit's voice in the same way that caused Jesus to rise again. So where do we land today? Well, you've you've heard the gospel. 
Like you've heard like like three times today, you're about to hear it a fourth time. Christ died for our sins. Hey, Christ died for our sins. He was buried. He was raised on the third day in accordance with the scriptures. In those three days, he went down to hell. He got the keys to death, hell, on the grave, whooped the devil, and came back ready to not only himself be raised to life, but to bring you back to life. That's the gospel message. And you've also been challenged today, whether you're Christian or not, to respond to God's call, His process, and His voice. So, in either situation, the person you were created to be lives on the other side of your yes. Jesus said yes to the plan. He said yes to the process. He said yes to the endurance. He said yes to the voice. His constant yes changed everything for every single one of us. So here's my question. What yes are you going to give God today? What yes? For some of you, that is first time salvation. You need to give your life to Jesus. Maybe maybe you didn't do it a minute ago because I put you on the spot and it was like too soon. Like, I need the piano playing before I can do all that. Maybe, Maybe you've said yes to Jesus before, but you have been living with Jesus on your own terms, under your own arrangement, under your own contract, and you've realized in this moment, Jesus doesn't write contracts that don't have him as Lord. And that you've been half in and half out, and you need to get your life together with Jesus. You need to stop being a half in, half out Christian. You need to start living for Jesus Christ. Maybe that's the decision you need to make today. Maybe some of you here, you know there's a step you need to take, like baptism. Maybe you need to jump on a serve team. Maybe you need to join a church. It don't have to be this one. Find you a truth-teaching, life-speaking, spirit-filled church and get plugged in. Maybe your next step is forgiving that person that you just won't let go of because God can't put into your hand what's clenched, wrapped around somebody else's neck. I don't know what it is, but I do know this. God wants your yes today. If your yes is Jesus, I want you to just bow your head and close your eyes for a second. Just Everybody, just for a moment. The only reason I ask you to do that is to block out Everybody around you, if you need to say yes to Jesus, if you need to say yes to him, come on, this is your moment. This is your chance. Jesus, forgive me. Just let the air come out of your mouth. You don't have to shout it across the room. Jesus, forgive me. I'm a sinner and I need you. Save me, Lord. I confess you as Lord of my life. I believe in you. I'm yours. In Jesus' name. Maybe you need to rededicate your life. It's simple. God, I'm yours. I've I've been acting a fool. I need to quit. I'm coming home. I'm coming back to you. Make that confession to him. Maybe maybe you've been living in something that's been eating away at you, and you know you need to deal with this. Hey, lay it on the altar. Maybe your yes is putting that thing that you have claimed as, as, you know, so close to, like, oh, this is my identity even. Like, lay it on the altar. Your best life isn't behind some identity the world gives you. It's being in relationship with Jesus Christ. Father, I thank you for your people today. I thank you for what even now you're speaking into their hearts. And Jesus, thank you. Thank you for your sacrifice. Thank you for dying on the cross. Thank you for believing in me enough. Thank you for giving everything for me. Thank you that I I was on your mind when you were on the cross and that you endured even to the point of death. And thank you, Jesus, that you rose again, that I can be made alive with you, Jesus. Thank you. 
How we commit everything we are to you. We love you, Jesus. It's in your name I pray. Amen. At Freedom, we want to help you have authentic relationships with God and His people, to have real experiences with the Holy Spirit, and to find lasting freedom. If the Holy Spirit speaks to you through this message, or if you want to make a decision for Jesus, please reach out at freedomdl.com connect. For more info on Freedom, including service times and location, visit freedomdl.com. Thanks for listening.